Dr. Bergen, Charlie McCarthy, and Mortimer Snurd, and Charlie's special guest, Orson Welles. Wake up, America, and stump the experts. The roar heard round the world. show of shows goes Hollywood. The thrilling, rip-roaring tale of the men who built the podcast that stands astride the nation like a colossus. Featuring those well-known Broadway merrymakers Dan Howland and Tom Higgins. Don't miss our show of shows goes Hollywood. Well, now you got to live up to that intro. Take it, Tom. Hi, ladies and gentlemen in the movies. Uh, thing. With the radio. Well, welcome, everybody, to our show of shows. That's right. I'm Howland, this is Tom Higgins. Hi. Uh, hi. And hi. we're going to be talking this episode about movies on old no. video. I had no idea. Yeah, you did. <laughs> but anyway... Um, when Tom and I were kids, there were old black and white movies on TV all the time in the afternoons and on the weekends. And years later, when I discovered old time radio, I found out that there were movies on the radio and what they would do is they would do an adaptation of a movie script and, uh, make it into a radio show. And they would use that as a promotional thing. They had a couple of different ways of doing it. Um, I've divided it into three different categories. There were some 15 minute, what I'm calling extended previews. There were half hour adaptations. And then there were a couple one hour adaptations with one really big, um, elephant in the room, which we'll get to towards <laughs> the end of the episode. The granddaddy. Um, and the big, one of the bigger uh, old time radio shows. Um, in the extended previews category, they had things like Leo is on the air, 20th Century Fox is on the air, Paramount is on the air, and I think you can see where this is going. Hollywood is on the air. Yeah, these I were kind of like almost movie trailers for they the radio. Were, they were really, they were like 15 minutes long. I believe that they were transcribed so that radio stations could just plop them in when they had a 15-minute gap in their programming. Um, they didn't really make any attempt to uh, tell the story. As no. They, it was just, you just got the they, stars. They would have the stars. They would have a musical number. They would have one or possibly two scenes. I heard one where they just used them. They played the song and had a singer singing the song, which in the movie was just playing in the background when two characters went into a nightclub. You know, just weird stuff like that but it was those were kind of just time fillers and kind of just promotional yeah and, then, and it, uh, a lot of times you'll see in today's movies you'll get a lot of these um musical tie-in numbers like mm -hmm. the james but whatever james bond film the, the people that get to do the opening numbers for it even though you're just hearing this song once and has nothing to do with the movie right it's yeah. a great promotional tool for the studios Right, so they would they would have that kind of stuff would be plunked into these fifteen minute uh, previews, and then 
I think it was a while after that they started doing these half hour adaptations. And there were quite a few of these. There was one called Hollywood Soundstage. There was Old Gold Comedy Theater. Um, Screen Directors Playhouse, which is a pretty good one. It yep. started out as a half hour thing. And then in the, it went from um, 1949 to 1951. And at that point, it switched to being a one hour show. Uh, Screen Guild Theater, Stars in the Air, and one called Academy Award, which ran in 1946. And they had a weird criteria for it being an Academy Award based show. Not all the adapted stories were Academy Award winners. The cast wasn't necessarily Academy Award winners, but at least one member of the radio show cast had to have been nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, I'm seeing this as kind of a pre-Oscar, kind of like for your consideration type of thing. Something like that. I think it was. But yeah, it was mostly just like this actor is up for an Oscar. So we're putting them in a different story or something, but Oscar nominee theater would have been a pretty crappy title. They could have been theater. Oscar nominee theater. Um, so there were quite a lot of those half hour um, adaptations, but he didn't have a lot of room in a half hour to tell the kind of story that you told in a movie because the movies can be like 90 minutes. And so you'd have to either cut so much out, like not, you weren't just cutting, you were just cutting the meat out of it. You weren't just cutting the fat away. Yeah, no, it was, it was a severe cut of the, it was like a annotation of an annotation of the movie. Right. So when they, when the hour long adaptations started um there's kind of a transitional show which is called hollywood hotel and it's kind of like the 15 minute preview shows but um it has this weird conceit for the show supposedly it takes place in a busy hollywood hotel rather <laughs> than on stage and that's totally fictional of course yeah and um it's uh what they would do is they would have musical numbers and interviews, and then there would be like a 20 minute long synopsis of the movie with some scenes with the actors acting out some scenes and that sort of stuff. So it was kind of the first little longer versions of an adaptation, but it was only like a 20 minute adaptation. It's almost like a table read. Yeah, kind of like that. Of a yeah. movie, yeah. Yeah, and it, what it was, it was the brainchild of a very powerful gossip columnist. Oh, jeez, her, yeah. Well, Luella Parsons, who was, yep. who was, she was famous for being able to make or break an actor's career. And that's probably why so many performers appeared, despite only being paid a case of Campbell's soup. <laughs> that was what you got from being on the Hollywood Hotel show. I can just see our good friend Orson Welles going there and being like, Campbell's like, rooster soup. My soup, please. Yes. <laughs> I'm only here for the soup. <laughs> but the, as I was saying earlier, the, the big hour-long adaptation. Um, yeah, this is... One of, one of the best of the, of the old-time radio shows, really, is the Lux Radio Theater. 
And, and it ran when, for a long time. What yeah, you? when you come across collectors of old of old time radio shows, mm -hmm. usually the the white whale for them, the the first big collection they'll make mm -hmm. is the completion of the Lux Radio Theater. It's easier to do now than it was back in the day, but Oh yeah, most of it's uh, up on archive.org. So. But I mean it is massive. Even Oh even yeah, well the, it ran from nineteen thirty four to nineteen fifty five, so it's not yep. surprising. Yeah. It's just a huge archive. And, and it was more good than it wasn't. Oh, yeah. Way, it was, it's fantastic. I mean, there, is, there are clunkers in there. There are a lot of bad things, and especially towards the end of the run. Um, any of these shows in the 1950s, like when you get to those Screen Directors Playhouse and stuff, a lot of those adaptations in the 1950s were terrible. They were, yeah. they were adaptations of really, really fluffy farces that didn't amount to anything. And it's kind of the same with Lux. But Lux was fantastic when it was in its prime from the 1930s through the 1940s. It was great. Um, they adapted almost all genres of movies. There were comedies, romances, war movies. There were a lot of war movies in the 40s. Yeah. Uh, there were tearjerkers, mysteries. There were what I'm calling the wildly inaccurate historical and biographic movies. <laughs> they were all, they were never accurate. It was no. like, and, and Madame Curie has invented the radio or whatever. It was just nuts. And there were swashbucklers. They were pretty thin on musicals. There were a few musicals in there. I think there's some Nelson Eddy. Jeanette McDonald stuff. Not a not a lot of musicals. Yeah. Uh, no horror movies. Those were no. Movies. That no. That would be way Lux too. Lux was a Lux was a classy show. <laughs> it was a class uh, act. It was a classy show. They got class they ain't even used yet. Um, about eighty to ninety percent of the time, Lux actually would get the original stars from the movies they adapted. Um, you know, if they were going to do uh, Treasure of the Sierra Madre, you know, Bogart yep. would be. Yep. Uh, sometimes they'd get the star, but not the co-star. And then every once in a while, they couldn't get the star at all. I just mentioned Bogart a second ago. I don't think Bogart liked doing live radio. Um, no, he did not. A couple of times he was on Lux. He, you can hear that he's flubbing a line here or there, and he's, he's upset with himself. He didn't, like, he didn't like being on radio until he had a transcribed show later. Uh, okay. So in this particular case, they were doing an adaptation of the Maltese Falcon. And I think this is really interesting because the guy they got to play Sam Spade is Edward G. Robinson. So these were guys who played similar roles in movies. Very different reads, man. But very, very different reads. So we've got a clip of that, and we're going to play that now. Here we go. Well, if you get a good break, you'll be out of San Quentin in 20 years, and you can come back to me then. What? Oh, no, you're not going to... I'm going to send you over. Oh, no, don't, Sam. Don't say that. <laughs> you're taking the fall, darling. You're doing this to me? Don't you understand, Sam? I'm in love with you. Oh, <laughs> that's great. But you can't. You can't. <laughs> yes, I can. You killed a man, darling, remember? You know deep down in your heart, you know that in spite of anything I've done, I love you. I don't care who loves who. I'm not going to play the sucker. I won't walk in Thursby's, and I don't know how many others' footsteps. You killed Miles, and you're going over for it. Sam. That's the cops. Don't let them in, please. Sit tight, honey. Sam. Hello, Spade. Come in. You get the fat boy? We got them. The kid, too. Uh, swell. Here's another one for you. She killed Miles. Can you prove it? Can I, Miss Shaughnessy? Can I prove it? Go on, tell them. Yes. All right, come on. 
So long, O'Shaughnessy. This... This doesn't mean anything to you, does it? Maybe. But you're going anyway. The chances are you'll get off for 20 years. If you do, I'll wait for you. And if they hang you, Angel, I'll always remember you. Kind of wild that his reading gets a laugh at the end. I um, Okay, maybe you're going to die. <laughs> big big yeah. laugh, applause, applause, applause. Yeah. Well, when Bogart played that scene, he played it really sad. He was torn. Oh, yeah. yeah. It was, it, there was a lot. It was a totally different read. I mean, Robinson had fun with it, but wow, what a strange read on that. Yeah, and the audience just, yeah, yeah. Just that that oddball reaction, but, yeah. but a, a lot of those shows, like you said, it, if they couldn't get the principles, they got someone as good. Yeah, sometimes yeah, substitutes. I mean, um, well, they'd always get Don Amici to sub for somebody. You know, there were a lot of uh, a lot of go to people that they'd yep. get to substitute. But uh, I think Gary Cooper substituted for somebody at one point. Anyway, it's quite a lot of. A lot of that that went on but the the nice thing about lux that i always really liked about him was you got this i guess about 50 minutes of content which really gave you time to tell the story yeah and that's unlike a lot of, the, it's a lot like um like we talked about johnny dollar yeah there was time to tell a story and to even have a little, few little subplots and things. You know, you just had to trim the fat in order to get the script down to 50-ish minutes. Yeah, and if, if you look at some of the better OTR storytelling stuff, the ones that get a chance either in small increments or in one big run to tell a story, mm -hmm. they last a whole lot better over the years yeah. than the quick little, you know, 10-minute non-sequential non and just all segmented yeah. pieces that you never get a full story out of it. But. Right, yeah. Um, so, Tom, how many yeah. episodes of Star Wars are there? There are exactly... Wrong, yeah. wrong. <laughs> there are 29 episodes of Star Wars. 20? Oh, okay, yeah. Yes. No, okay. Because... <laughs> <laughs> well, no. Technically, that would be 29 in the original trilogy. Actually. Thanks, This is not exactly old-time radio. It sort of is now, I suppose, for if We're old. Really young. Yeah. If you're a really young person, this would seem like ancient history. God, the 80s. But there were, in the 80s and the mid-90s, there were three series of um, NPR dramatizations of star wars yep the first one was in 1981 they did 13 episodes of the original star wars mm -hmm. uh, and they just called it star wars if i remember correctly yep. it didn't have any subtitle at all and then in 1983 just a couple years later they did 10 episodes of the empire strikes back yep and then there was a gap before they got around to doing a six episode series which was return of the jedi which, um, because how many episodes can you have Ewoks doing the jump, jump, <laughs> jump, jump. Um, <laughs> so the background for this was there was a teacher at the University of uh, California School of Performing Arts. His name was Richard Toskin, I believe is how you pronounce it. Uh, yep. He dramatized, the first thing he did was he dramatized some Raymond Carver stories on KUSC, which was 
the NPR affiliate uh, for University of California. And uh, one of his students, and he wanted to collaborate on, the student's name was Joel Rosenzweig? Zweig? Zweig. Zweig, Rosenzweig? Okay, he wanted to, they wanted to adapt Star Wars. And since USC was George Lucas's alma mater, he said yes. And in fact, he sold them the rights for the radio adaptation, including all the music and all the sound effects. He sold them those rights for one dollar. Jeez, because he was so enthusiastic about doing Cause, this. Because he was making mad toy money at that point too. He was making, yeah, exactly. The Spanish fonts be with you. Um, <laughs> so NPR, in order to get the um, actual production costs covered, because there were a lot of actors involved and a lot of you know, studio time and everything. Yep. Um, they co-produced it with the BBC. So both the BBC and NPR got a series out of this. Actually, three series, I suppose. Yep. And um, I, I can't, I didn't write down which series these different actors appeared in. But Mark Hamill and Anthony Daniels and Billy D. Williams appeared in some of these series in their yeah. original. I life. think Hamill wasn't in the last one. I think Hamill was not in Return of the Jedi. I yeah. You're right. I think he was in the first two. Um, but Harrison Ford was in none of them. Harrison Ford was in exactly zero. He does not have a... Carrie Fisher not, wasn't in it either, no. I don't think, though. No. I think Harrison I, Ford... I would have made a note here if Carrie Fisher was in it, because who doesn't yeah. love Carrie Fisher? Hey. Um, uh, there was some unusual casting. It wasn't exactly stunt casting, but it's funny, peculiar casting. And I'm reading this before you say this. I'm reading this. And even as we're going through the show notes before recording, <laughs> before I had this, forgotten this. Had and forgotten I'm like, these. what the hell? Yeah. Um, they're all, all three of these are strange. There's a couple other strange ones. But the three that I noted here are Ed Bigley Jr. as Boba Fett. Yeah. That, that yeah. You know, and that's just a voice with a sound on it. So it could yep. be anybody. But I really like these next two. Ed Asner. <laughs> Play Jabba the Hutt. Mary! Uh, that's, that's fantastic. Get Ted in here right now. <laughs> I like you, Solo. You've got spunk. Oh I God. hate spunk. Um, and this is, and this is before this is the, Jabba was Jabba. This, yeah, right. Well, we'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Um, and then John Lithgow played Yoda. My God. I can't even remember. The, but just Lithgow it. doing Yoda. He had such he. How many times did he play aliens? He played aliens all the time. Oh, he was he on was the Third Rock from the Sun TV Third series. Third Rock from the Sun, and then he was uh, in uh, Buckaroo Banzai. Well, Mr. Big Booty. Mr. Big Big Booty. <laughs> big booty. Um, <laughs> I love that. Show. Anyway, the 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 Star Wars radio uh, series was considered Star Wars canon until oh. God. Uh, who okay, cares? Okay. No, who cares? Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know my rule, Tom. Everything is canon. Han Shot Everything. First is canon. Yep. Star Wars Holiday Specials canon. Is canon. Star Tours at Disneyland is canon. My rule is that if you're enjoying it while you're seeing it or hearing it, it's canon. And the beautiful thing about it was like even in the very first episode, mm-hmm. it expanded you know, like again this is it, it had time the, it to expand thing of the expanded universe you know they you got really... to hear about wedge you got to hear about luke when he went to get the tune-up at the car in the town with his <laughs> right. buddies and his girlfriend and then you know 
and pigs going whole, off. There was and, a yeah. whole episode, I think, dedicated to what happened to the droids while um, the others were in the cantina. There was a whole episode. I don't remember that. On that. Yeah, there's a whole Yeah, yeah, sure, yeah. First one, okay. yeah. So, and all that stuff was canon until it wasn't, and I don't. That's and now just, it is again, and who cares? And, yeah, you know, no. Star Wars, I always say this, Star Wars is the only lost movie that was lost because the director kept messing with it. <laughs> it's it's a lost movie. It's it's like London yeah. at London at Midnight or whatever. It's a Lon Chaney movie that's lost, you know. It's, it's lost. Except it's... Lon Chaney didn't mess with the movie until it was gone. So yep. anyway, uh, that's what I've got on movies. On uh, We've got other stuff to say about movies on radio. Because uh, some of the stuff, this was a longer episode, and I just cut all that stuff and figured we'll do some other short episodes with some there, of the other material. There are some, there are some shows which do deserve a kind of focus, yeah, um, including a um, synambulist uh, shooter of guns, which you'll deal with in a future episode. <laughs> just tease yeah, yeah, that well, out there. Yeah, let's just tease that out there a little bit. A, a, a sleepy cowboy. So and, that that will be our first ever AMSR episode. They, there are some, um, <laughs> there were a, a lot of other shows that were based on sort of the goodwill of people knowing who the actors were, you know. Yes. I, I was talking about Bogart earlier. He later did. Um, Bold Venture. Bold Venture. And we'll talk about that in a future episode because it's yeah. a great little show. And, and um, he was comfortable doing that because. Because it was pre-recorded. Yeah, it was transcribed. He, yeah, so he, he could was, flub a line. And well, like, he was doing it because his wife and his situation at the time and the family yeah, and thing. Could, and, yeah, and they could go and go in and record a few episodes. And yeah. it wasn't a, he didn't have to put on his toupee, I think. <laughs> but we'll, talk, we'll talk about that more in a future episode. Yep. Do you want to, let's, let's wind this up. We did pretty yeah. well. Yeah. We got a lot in there. Um, you, I wanted you to talk about uh, our website because you've... Uh, we have revamped the website. Yep, yeah. yep. We've... Uh, usually you'll hear us talk now about uh, podcasts and various things that we do around different websites. But you've We've kind boiled of, all that down to low gravy now, Tom. We, we got that down to a condensed one website right now, ourshowofshows.com. Mm -hmm. You can go there and get um, fresh brewed, properly spelled uh, podcasts <laughs> every day. So I run, uh, there's a series of podcasts and uh, there's a player. You can hit a button and start listening to old time radio show that played on that day in history. And you just let it run and it will run for hours. Mm -hmm. If you want to get the individual feeds for those, there's uh, feeds as a Tom page. Has broken those down into various. By things, genre, right? yeah. So if you just like six shooters, if you just like westerns, if you just like um, comedies or cop whatever, shows, there's, yeah. yeah. So there's a podcast feed you can grab for every day. Play me some cop shows from OTR. All right. um, and there's, there's links to all our social media and stuff there. So we don't need to dwell on that too much. Yeah. How to get a hold of us. That while we do have the Patreon, we're just encouraging people to donate to a food bank or something. Yes. Stuff's going on right now. Anyway, that's all I've got. Have you got anything, Tom? Or no, just uh, you guys come on to the website and let us know what you think. We'll give us any suggestions that you want to see in future episodes. Yep. And, and uh, until we'll be back soon. <laughs> yes, we will. All right. And until take care, then, everybody. Have a good one. Okay.
bring you Edgar Bergen, Charlie McCarthy, and Mortimer Snur, and Charlie's special guest, Orson Welles. Wake up, America, and stop the experts. <laughs> 